0: Hi, this is Marian Samuel from the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse in Antigua. Every Wednesday at 12.30 p.m., we interview a guest about real-life issues from the Caribbean. Welcome to Lighthouse Conversations. A time to explore the issues surrounding your everyday existence, your family, your community, your environment, your health and safety habits, your lifestyle, both physically and spiritually, will all be discussed here on Lighthouse Conversations. Let's get started and see just what we can learn to better your life.
1: Welcome to another episode of Lighthouse Conversations. I'm Nathan Owens, and I am glad you have joined us. In this episode, we're going to begin t- discussing a topic that's going to take us three episodes to cover in detail. And this topic is becoming more and more prevalent as time goes on, as each day goes on. And my goal is to ensure that you are informed. And you say, what is this topic? The topic is sexual rights. The topic is the LGTBQ movement. We're going to be discussing it in great detail. And to educate us on this topic, and specifically how it's affecting us here in the Caribbean, I have in the studio with me Dr. Veronica Evelyn. Dr. Evelyn is a Christian-trained, practicing sociologist with over 24 years of experience In Counseling and Assisting Individuals. Dr. Evelyn, thank you for joining me in the studio of the Radio Lighthouse.
2: Thank you, Nathan. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: I am really excited about discussing this topic and the fact that it is so prevalent around the world. It's not just the Caribbean, but it's quickly starting to involve the Caribbean more and more. Let's start by discussing a little bit about you. Uh, You have your own company and you offer services there in Barbados where you reside. You're originally from Antigua? I'm
2: originally from Antigua, yes, but I've lived in Barbados most of my life. Mm -hmm.
1: Tell me about your company and what kind of services you offer.
2: Um, It's called PROTECT, Inc. And that is P-R-O-T-E-Q-T. That EQ stands for Emotional Intelligence. The Y-E-Q, because some time ago I became very interested in the whole matter of intelligence and all of that. And up came these philosophers. Um, one was a lecturer at university at Yale and about this whole thing of emotional intelligence. And I subsequently read a book by Daniel Goleman on emotional intelligence. And as I was reading it, I smiled to myself. I, I thought, hey, psychology comes face-to-face with God, but they don't even see him. So PROTECT is really about um, promoting and providing emotional intelligence training. Um I look at behavior change towards better living. It's based on John 10.10. 10. The devil comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. But Jesus comes that we might have life and have it more abundantly. So that's what it's all about. I do social action research, and this is with like governments and international agencies. I work with HIV and AIDS, health and family life, education Um, a bit of education per se behavioral change um a number of things, yeah.
1: So you're <laughs> right, not a number. you're not just in the ministry or Christian realm. You are working in the secular world oh, with yes. the unsaved, and you are familiar with the what the secular world is saying and what the trends and Most beliefs are. Most
2: definitely, for the past six years, I've been working with our Ministry of Social Care, which is now Ministry of People Empowerment, on a project on intergenerational poverty, where we're looking at poor families and how they can reestablish themselves and be financially self-sustaining. I actually got into this field. I wouldn't even say I got into it. I think the Lord pushed me Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I never, ever, ever, ever wanted to work with HIV and AIDS. I know myself. I tend to have very strong convictions. And I felt that, hey, if I were to go into this field, I would simply be putting my head against the wall. It would be too contentious because I know what persons in that field, some persons generally feel. However, God led me. It's too long to go through. He led me into it, and it was when I was working on an international labor organization, U.S. Department of Labor project, which was a a two-and-a-half-year project in Barbados. What we did, we were training all of focal points in government ministries and in certain other sectors in peer education, HIV peer education. And in the process of training and meeting, I worked a lot with men because I worked with the manufacturing sector, um, the financial sector, and I began to see certain things and I began to become very concerned. I thought, hey, this is going to be a problem for persons who, for Christians who are working in this field because there's so much room for compromise. I really felt that. Um, I was also working on another governmental project. It was with the Ministries of Tourism and Health, a commercial sex workers project. Mm-hmm. That was very, very interesting but disturbing. Yeah. I mean, imagine me having focus groups with a group of prostitutes. Yeah. And I thought, I'm going to have a seminar for persons, for Christians who are working in this field, just so that we can strengthen each other, we can discuss the issues, and I call that session, Compassion Without Compromise.
1: So you're saying that it we need Christians in this field. Oh, yes. We shouldn't just leave it to the secular because there's things going on that are not what we would abide by.
2: Big time. Big time. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. Light is not needed where there's light. Mm-hmm. If if I were to bring a candle in here nothing would happen. But if I t- took it into the darkness then we would see light. It would change things. And Christ told us that we are the salt to flavor the earth, to preserve it from decay. We are the light to shine, to show the way. And we can only do that out in the world, (laughs) you know. Mm -hmm out in the world, not in our, I see church as a place where we go to strengthen ourselves and to fellowship and to regroup, but our work is really in the world.
1: Amen. Let's jump right into this topic and sexual rights in the LGTBQ. What does LGTBQ and whatever else they've added to it, what does that stand for?
2: Okay, good question. The LG is, first of all, lesbians and gays, homosexuals. Lesbians being the female homosexuals and gays being the male homosexuals. It started with simply lesbians and gays, but it has evolved, and it continues to evolve, so that you have lesbians, gays, bisexuals, and then now you have transgenders, um, and they've added queer and other things. Now, we'll go into each of them, but I would like to say this. They have been saying LGBTQI. That's incorrect, very, very incorrect, because the I stands for intersex. Intersex. Is actually a chromosomal abnormality. Something goes wrong. So you know that males are XY, mm-hmm. females XX in terms of chromosomes. Now, what happens in the case of an intersex wi- person, who we used to call hermaphrodite? Mm-hmm. Um, something goes wrong, and and so there's an abnormal set of chromosomes, a pairing, so to speak. I'm not a medical doctor, so excuse me if I fumble to explain. So that whereas homosexuality, bisexuality, transgenderism are behavioral, intersex is actually a medical condition, and it has no right there.
1: So, intersex. You don't have a choice. choice. Yeah, you exactly. do not
2: have yeah. a choice. However, I, I was speaking with. Um, well, I did a workshop with this surgeon, and and he sometimes works with intersex persons who mm-hmm. are born intersex, and he says that even where there are parts of of both genitalia, Mm -hmm. there is usually some indication of what the predominant sex is. Hmm. So, lesbians, gays, bisexual, transgender, queer, and it continues. Now, in terms of transgender, it's a whole mess because you have women who want to be men, and then men who want to be women some of them have transsexuals like uh, some of them ha- actually have the operation to to change their outward appearance and notice I say outward appearance it is absolutely impossible to be transgender because male and female is not just a matter of, I, I'm not sure <laughs> how okay. much I can say well, yeah. on go, radio. Go, go ahead. Yeah, it's not just a matter of your external genitalia. Mm-hmm. It's not just a woman with breasts or a man with a penis or a man with a, a, a loud voice mm-hmm. and a woman more gentle. It's women and men differ On five different levels.
1: What are those levels? Internally
2: okay. So one there's what you call well, there's the external, the reproductive organs, there's the internal reproductive organs, there's what you call ornamentation, that is the men will tend to have beard and so on. Then there's physical structure. So and every cell in your body is Is either male or female so even if you were to pump me with hormones so that my voice changes or that I do not have periods the fact is you cannot change every cell in my body so that is a lie however it is a lie that has been established it is a lie that is being pushed big time aided and abetted by the United Nations and a lot of our institutions like the Royal Commonwealth Society, etc. But we'll go into that later.
1: Let me take a step back for just a minute. And I've heard it said that world views will affect how we interpret things. It's kind of like a pair of glasses that we put on. Is that really true from a biblical perspective, or is that just something that uh, someone said to try and justify someone's personal choices?
2: Well, Nathan, it is absolutely true, because the way we look at the world will determine a lot. And basically, now this is I'm simplifying it big time. You have two ways of looking at the world. One way is that there is a sovereign God who created us and who calls the shots, who has a plan and a purpose for this life, and the world belongs to him. The other worldview is that there ain't no God. There may be a God, but if he is, we don't know who he is. Mm -hmm. And religion really is just oppressive, Man is in charge. Man can do everything. We call the shots. And that is where now you have a clash.
1: And does that really affect, I mean, you're talking there about what you view of God, but does that really affect how I view the LGBTQ revolution?
2: Yes, it does.
1: Connect the dots for Genesis me.
2: 1, God created them, male and female. Well, God created Adam, and then from Adam, he, he made Eve. And at that point, you have the ish and the isha, the male and the female. That's what God did. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth lesbians and gays and transgenders, well especially transgenders I was born, I don't like who I'm born, I am in a wrong body, in other words God made a mistake and therefore I will be who I want to be, so man is in charge now we have to be very very careful and I can't say this loud enough, let us In all of this, remember, there's a difference between the homosexual, the transgender, and homosexuality and transgenderism. There's a difference between the person and the behavior. The whole sexual rights movement is anti-God. It comes from, you know, Nietzsche, who said God is dead. It comes from that perspective. Humans are in charge, science trumps everything else, religion, is, I, I read something that said, you know, religion came when there was no science. Nonsense. So that when we speak disparagingly, as I will have to, about transgenderism and so on, it is not, I am not condemning those who might be even trapped in the behavior.
1: You're condemning the choices or the, the action.
2: Not even the choices. I, I am looking at the movement itself oh, okay. because the movement is really an assault. It is rebellion against God. It is forged in the pit of hell. And some of the persons who are actually carrying out this agenda that was founded in the pit of hell, they are not even aware that they are doing it. Mm. And that's why it is so urgent that we speak the truth, we speak it in love, although even when you speak it in love, they tell you you are a hater. And this is all a part of a bigger picture. And very, very quickly, I'll give you the bigger picture because we must connect the dots. Sexual rights which began with homosexuality and just saying, please accept us, don't discriminate against us. It has gone from that to saying, you must accept us. And then it has gone from that, not only must you accept us, we will teach our children Mm. that this is so. Not only that, but we are going to take you to jail. We are going to take you to court if you do not so that it goes from one thing to another. And sexual rights is, re- is really a smaller part. It is just the beginning. It is a smaller part of rights in general, and those rights include sexual and pre- reproductive rights, the right to abortion, the right to life. It includes euthanasia, And we talk about, oh, we're doing it so that the person can be comfortable. Euthanasia is really, I would call it, medically assisted suicide. Um, And when we go to the ultimate now, really it's just a part of the move by the devil. It's an all out. It's like a final showdown between God and the devil. It is setting up for a new world order, for a cashless society, for a society that is free from religion, etc. I will read something to you from the website of... The Foundation for Freedom and Religion. It talks about their critical, quote unquote, critical work to promote non theism and to defend the constitutional separation between religion and government. Um, and it works as a watchdog and voice for free thought. And free thought is atheism, agnosticism, and skepticism. So it is a real threat to Christianity. It's not a joke. We take it very lightly and we say, oh, um, leave them alone. If they love each other, so what? What two people do in the privacy of their bedroom is okay. It is not okay because you know, it's like we are frogs in hot water. We never know until it's too late. This whole movement is part of a greater movement, and it is a threat to Christianity. It begins with intimidation, and that's why they'll say, oh, you are judgmental, you are a hater, you are a bigot. They talk about Bible bashing. The Bible tells us that we are to exhort one another with doctrine, yeah. but they say, do not an- exhort me with doctrine because you'll be bashing me with the Bible. So they try to change around our mindset using language, and we'll talk about that in the next program. So first, it's the intimidation. You're judgmental, you're a bigot, don't Bible bash. Then there is the outright opposition, as we have seen in in some of our islands. There's the silencing, and there is actually the legal prosecutions. So, here you are, you're getting married, I want you, a Christian photographer, to take my pictures. I want you, a Christian florist, to arrange my flowers. I want you, a Christian baker, to bake my cakes. But what does the Bible say? Have no part with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. So, Human rights is telling us you must do this or we are going to take you to court. We are going to put you in jail. And God says, listen, I don't want you to have any part of it. So you can see the opposition.
1: If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Lighthouse Conversations on the radio Lighthouse. And we're discussing in great detail the sexual rights movement and how they are on the offensive. And I have in the studio with me. Dr. Veronica Evelyn from Barbados, and she is educating us on how this is taking place in the Caribbean. Uh, Is there really such a thing, doctor, as a homosexual gene?
2: Definitely not. That has not been proved. As a matter of fact...
1: But wouldn't the onus or wouldn't the burden of proof be on the who, which side is it on? Is it on the side to say that it is there, or is it on this? Do you have to prove that it's not there? Because I've, <laughs> I've heard that argued both okay. ways. Okay.
2: Now, first of all, where did the idea come from? Okay. The idea came from two persons who decided that they would look at the brains of thirty-nine corpses, and they, from there. Research, which later on was proved to be very flawed, they said, hey, but these brains, there's something with the brains, the size of the brain. And, and it was a big thing. Well, you know how the media can be spectacular. Oh, we found a homosexual gene. No such thing. There is a study, and I, I wish I had all the details right here and now, that was brought out by Johns Hopkins University in the next program, I'll give your listeners all the details, just proving that there is no such gene God created male and female so yes there there is that talk, and it has been said so often. you know that's the thing with um homosexuality and the whole sexual rights movement you begin by saying something and you say it over and over again and you say it so long and so loud that it becomes your truth and then you force others to believe it as well
1: along those lines i recently saw a study Language. that the they had done a they had interviewed people mm-hmm. and said okay the news media, which a lot of the news media (laughs) comes out of the U.S. They said, based on sitcoms and TV shows, how many people do you think in the general public are homosexual? And the average person said it was like 25 to 30%. (laughs) And in practicality or in reality, the number is much smaller. It's under 10%, much under 10%. And because the media portrays so many homosexuals and homosexual activity in the TV shows, people begin to think that it's normal and that it's much more prevalent than it really is. Now, is that just something that is happening in the States or is that true here also, that, that it's being normalized?
2: That, that is true here also. Again, we go back to worldviews and our understanding. Remember, Jesus said to the Pharisees. You are of your father, the devil. The devil is a liar. He is the father of lies. Jesus says when he speaks, there's no truth in him. And this whole sexual rights movement is founded in lies and twisted truths. And you know how it's done? First of all, with language. I mean, this throughout the years they have worked this out very very well it begins with language you remember in Daniel when Nebuchadnezzar took everybody, all the bright young men, the first thing he did was to give them his language, that's what the LGBT did and so they've used words in a very strategic way, words such as justice love Equality, dignity. Those meanings have been misconstrued and they are used in a different sense and we pick them up. Then they use other words like Bible bashing and judgmental and hater and demonizing. And slowly We begin to use those words, not only so. Now there's a document, it's called the Yogyakarta Principles 206, and then in 2017 they had the Yogyakarta Principles plus 10. And this document outlines very, very nicely, I would say, what has actually happened as far as um, sexual rights is concerned. And methodically, systematically, they train journalists, they train the judiciary, they train social workers, guidance counselors, teachers, etc. And there is ac- they are actually documents that tell you what language to use.
1: So if that's the case, that t- kind of leaves me feeling hopeless. In, in short, and I know <laughs> we'll discuss this more in future episodes. Is there hope?
2: Oh, wow. I think there's tremendous hope. You know, I'm almost happy for this opportunity because God has become so unpopular. Mm. But he's a buzzword. Sometimes you, you read in the papers and people are talking about God and the Bible, of course, to ridicule and to criticize. But here is an opportunity for us as Christians to use it to leverage on it, to speak truth. And that is our task, to speak truth. I keep saying to our group, we have a group in Barbados, it's called Family Faith Freedom Barbados. Our task, the outcomes are not to us. The outcomes are the Holy Spirit. Our task is to speak truth to everyone so that they can make a choice for Christ Or against Christ because the LGBT agenda is set in stone. The rights agenda is set in stone. God's righteousness agenda is set in stone. Our own task is to decide which side we are on i'm on the lord's side
1: very well stated and be sure that you tune in next episode of lighthouse conversations because we're going to be discussing in great detail lgbt (laughs) agenda and what they are doing and how it's affecting us here in the caribbean dr evelyn thank you for joining me
2: thank you
0: (laughs) thanks for listening in on our conversation We trust that it was beneficial to you as you continue to develop a more meaningful life. Do you have a topic or a guest you would like us to have a conversation with for a future episode on Lighthouse Conversations? We would love to hear your suggestions. Send us a mail at Caribbean Radio Lighthouse, P.O. Box 1057, St. John's, Antigua, or lighthouse b-i-m-i at gmail.com or give us a call at area code 268-462-1454 or send us a message via whatsapp or text at area code 268-782-1454 Thanks for listening. Remember, you can hear Lighthouse Conversations Wednesday at 12.30 p.m. on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. If you're in Antigua, you can listen at 92.3 MHz FM. If you're in the Caribbean, you can listen at 1160 kHz AM. Or listen online at www.radiolighthouse.org from anywhere in the world or you can subscribe to this podcast. Looking forward to having you join us next time. Bye-bye.